0: Well, 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 welcome to the 100th episode of this show. I can hardly believe it's been 100 episodes since our beginning, Um, but today's episode has changed from our original plan because there's a lot going on. In case you haven't noticed, uh, there's this thing called coronavirus happening. A lot of people are freaking out. There's a lot of fear surrounding the economy and what it means for small business, what it means for jobs, what it means for college graduations, all of these things and specifically i've had a lot of messages from entrepreneurs and service providers and you know people with small shops and that kind of a, kind of a thing sending me messages asking like what do i do so i'm going to address that in this episode while the rest of the world is running around like their hair is on fire Selling out the toilet paper and all of the Costco shelves, wondering how their bills or team is going to get paid, unsure of whether or not to launch what they had planned launching or start what they had start planned to start, and pretty much just freaking out on what to do next, you and I are going to take a deep breath and we're going to handle this coronavirus thing like the cool, calm, and collected women we know how to be. Look, I know this is a really, really weird time. Trust me. I am feeling it too. I've now had to plan and replan my year twice in the last three months. The first time being I had planned my year around having a baby in August and then after miscarrying, had to replan the year after that. And just when I thought that we had the perfect plan and everything would be fine, this hits. So I know how you're feeling. I know how uneasy it can be. I know that it can be very confusing. But, you know, earlier this morning, I sat down with my journal and I was like, okay, what is God trying to teach me here? Like what, why? I mean, I've never had to plan and replan a year twice. This alone, this one event alone is completely uncharted territory. And so as I started thinking about that, a few things came to mind. The first was... I can plan, but so much of this is out of my control. It's so far beyond my scope of control, even when we plan it. There's that proverb that says, uh, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I think this is a very good example of that. Uh, the second being that the importance of planning especially for small businesses doing that in 90-day increments versus trying to plan out 12 months. I think you can plan some major events or like some big events you sometimes have to do that 6, 9, 12 months in advance, but you know, trying to have a perfect 12-month plan doesn't I mean, I think it kind of sets us up for disappointment to be honest because there's so many unforeseen circumstances. Even within a month from now, you know, even for tomorrow. So I think having loose plans for 12 months, but really trying to plan in 90, 90 day increments as much as possible, uh, that reminded me, or this whole experience reminded me of the importance of that. And the third thing is that when you're uncomfortable, or when you're comfortable, not uncomfortable, when you're comfortable, you're not growing. When everything's great and you're just, I mean, you might be growing from a revenue standpoint, but you're not growing as a person. You're not necessarily growing as a leader. Like when you're in your comfort zone and you're just kind of on cruise control, it's it's not necessarily challenging you, right? Adversity is what I think truly makes us grow as much as we all want to avoid that. But all that said, you know, there's no roadmap for navigating this. I really wish there was. It's uncharted territory and I don't have all the answers, but here's the deal. As an entrepreneur, you need to understand what's going on in the market And you need to be adaptable. And on the same token, as a consumer, even if you are not an entrepreneur, you also need to understand what's going on in the market and be adaptable. This is going to make you not only a stronger person, but it's also going to um, allow you to learn how to thrive under adversity and it's going to make you a much better leader and a much better creator or or contributor to the flourishing of humankind. So one thing I want to say though, um is that I actually found this article I've had a lot of a rec- lot of questions regarding you know is the economy going to collapse what's it going to mean for my business and I'm no economist I don't know the answers to that but I did do some research and I did some digging and um, I found this article on USA Today and it really basically highlighted the key differences between the great recession that happened in 2008 with the housing market burst or bubble burst. I don't know if that's the right way to say a bubble burst. See, I'm no economist. Um, but it, it analyzed basically what happened in the 08 crash and um, Great Recession versus what's going on in the current crisis. And obviously there is a lot to unfold, so there's no perfect answer for this. But that said, you know, I, I thought this was a very helpful article and it dove into a lot of different factors, but I'm going to just quickly summarize a few of a few of the points that were made before we really dive into this episode to just give you a chance to take a deep breath, to realize like, oh my gosh, okay, the sky's not falling. It might feel like it is. It's a little crazy, but let's just analyze this so we're not freaking out as we're diving into these questions. So the first thing that it highlighted was the difference of cause between the Great Recession and the current crisis with the coronavirus. The Great Recession was caused by internal economic problems, an overheated housing market, right? But the current crisis is an external issue. It's an issue that is external from the economy, okay? That's difference number one, key difference number one. Key difference number two, Household debt. In 2008, household debt with the Great Recession had climbed to 134% of GDP and Americans had been saving just 3.6% of their income at the end of 2007. But in the current crisis, household debt is historically low, 96% of GDP. And households are saving 8% of their income, which is more than double what they were saving in 2007. Okay. So, All of that basically means that we as a society in general can handle a brief slump and continue spending at a reduced level. There's um, a guy named Gus Faucher. I don't know if I said his last name right, but he's the chief economist of PNC um, Financial Services Group. And he was one of the key contributors that they, you know, pulled kind of quotes and input from in this article. And he made a comment that consumers are in good shape overall. So even if it seems like total tragedy right now, he's saying in comparison, consumers are in pretty good shape with this current crisis. And on top of that, the cause is different. The third factor they looked at, so the first one was cause, the difference in cause between the two. The second one was household debt. The third one was job losses. So with the Great Recession, unemployment more than doubled to 10%. But with this current crisis, the unemployment rate is is at 3.5%, 3.5%, which is a 50 year low. And it, they're predicting that it could rise to 3.8 to 4.1%. So just a stark difference there, even if it feels like the world's ending right now. The fourth, uh, and obviously, you know, I want to highlight obviously that's a prediction. There's no way to know that until after the fact, but that's just kind of what they're seeing. Uh, the fourth factor that they Analyzed and the key difference was length of the great Rece- or of the great recession versus what they're expecting to happen this time. So, with the great recession, millions were out of work and household and business spending really decimated. It downturn. The downturn lasted about eighteen months. With this current crisis, assuming that the cases peak in the next few months and then kind of subsides by the summertime, the article said that any downturn is likely to last about six months or so. So. That's a really, you know, it's a third of the time just predicted. Um, The fifth key factor that they analyzed the difference between was the economy. So with the Great Recession, the economy contracted in five of six quarters during the slump, falling as much as 8.4% in late 2008. With corona or the most current crisis, most economists expect the virus to shave growth by 1% to 2% over the next couple of quarters, according to the article. So these are just a few of the factors that the article dove into and helped us understand the difference between. There were other factors like the stock market and corporate health and banking regulations, the Fed, and, and many more. But I just wanted to kind of highlight the first few, and I'll make sure I link the article in the show notes if you want to check out the rest of it. I've shared it on my social media a couple times, and every time it's gotten thousands of swipe ups, which may it very clear to me we needed to talk about this a little bit just because so many were wondering about this and feel like oh my gosh is this the great recession again like it feels very similar it feels you know overwhelming it feels sudden it feels so similar what's going on i'm so scared so it was a really helpful article And I think uh, many have sent me messages saying thank you for sharing it. So that's why I wanted to quickly highlight it here. But um, I guess before we dive into this, I just want to highlight if you have the cash flow, it is critical to support small businesses and be spending it even a little bit. If your cash flow or income has been slashed in half, it may be time to think of alternative plans of action to put money in the bank and keep doing that. But I promise you, hope is not lost. This is part of how the economy is, is I mean, this is a very uncharted territory, but I just want to like give you a little bit of encouragement to breathe. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. But like I said, I am no economist. I don't have all the answers, but I have been digging into some research and I want to share the insight I found with you, some helpful things that I have seen shared by others and really just pass that on to you in hopes that it will help you breathe a little, that it'll give you a little bit of direction and help you, you know, Just know that you're not alone. We're all navigating this together and it's really going to work out the way it's supposed to. But without further ado, let's dive into some of the questions that I have received. I'm going to provide and do my best at giving you the answers that I think are most suited for each question. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. let me preface this by saying that there is not a one size fits all approach to every issue that's going to arise as a result of this, because every business is different and every industry is different. Some are affected more than others. I believe all are being affected. um, But some like the event space or entertainment space are definitely more affected than others. And so I just want to highlight that, that, you know, there isn't just a quick, you know, one size fits all answer. Here's your solution. This is what you do. Step one, two, three. And I wish there were. Um, And that's part of what makes this so challenging. But, you know, just because I say that because, you know, if a friend of yours is handling this situation one way and that's not a way that you really could handle it or, you know, it works for her, not for you. You just have to understand in different industries, there's going to have to be probably different plans of action. But I'm going to dive into these questions and I'm just going to start with the first one. The first one I think is the most commonly recurring. I think I've gotten this question more than anything else and it's one that I've honestly wondered myself and it is, is it okay to keep doing business as usual to, uh, you know, keep marketing my products or my services because I still have to pay my bills or is that insensitive? So my answer here is there's a couple different things I want to say. The first being it depends on your business. It truly does. Now, when you say business as usual, that means, you know, carrying on like you would a month ago or before any of this kind of happened. So as, as a brick and mortar business, let's say you're a restaurant or a boutique or something like that, that is going to drastically change, at least for the short Future, how that is being done because if it's required that it be something people like a like a location people come to or an event people come to it is going to be hard to carry on as usual especially with the different guidelines and mandates that are being shared and mandated i guess <laughs> mandated yep yeah, that works um but i do think we as consumers who don't necessarily have brick and mortar businesses should be as intentional as possible to support brick and mortar businesses, either by ordering carry out from restaurants is as long as that's an option, um, supporting with gift cards, just doing, you know, by buying gift cards and just using them later, like things that can be done, even if we aren't going there to shop or going there to have dinner in the, you know, for the short period of time that we are not able to do that. Now, if you're in the online space, I really want to encourage you to not be afraid to keep your business running, okay? Commerce keeps the economy going, and obviously, that is pretty critical right now as well. So, you know, I shared this question of, is it insensitive for people to market their products and services? do you feel like that's appropriate? Do you feel like it's insensitive? I shared that on my Instagram story because I wanted to get a sample poll. You know, there will always be people who probably think, oh my gosh, yeah, it's so insensitive, but those people probably aren't paying, you know, or not paying, but those people probably don't make their living by running a small business. And so they might not understand that they literally, some people literally don't have an option. And so anyways, I shared this poll and 89% on the poll said that they understand that it's necessary for you to continue marketing your products, your services, and what have you. So I thought that was really interesting. And then I actually want to share this email. I won't read the entire thing, but I want to read a good portion of it. I got an email from um, a woman named Laura Belgray. She runs a company called Talking Shrimp. She's a copywriter. And I just think her emails are hysterical. I absolutely love them. Um, But anyways, she sent this email out and I saw it this morning and I was like, yes, this is so like such an interesting perspective. So I just thought I would share it. Basically, she posted something on Twitter that said, can someone please flatten the curve of, quote, how we're handling COVID-19, quote, announcement emails. (laughs) And um, I guess she shared in her email, she sent a screenshot of that. And she said, everyone liked the post and you know retweeted it just like I wanted. But then one person said, maybe this is a marketing ploy for yourself, but let's not downplay the severity of COVID-19. Then she went on to explain that that wasn't the whole comment, but she wanted to focus on the words marketing ploy. And so this is part of the email. She said, I'm just going to read exactly how she wrote it. That wasn't her whole comment, but I want to focus on the words marketing ploy. No, wait, marketing ploy for yourself. Then she writes, SAT question. The narrator's attitude toward marketing is A, disdainful, B, contemptuous, C, self-defeating, D, just smelled poo poo disgusted e all of the above you know the answer but especially c self defeating if she has to market herself and we all do pretty much she's not going to get very far thinking that marketing is selfish and schemy those of us who market and sell need to keep marketing and selling that is if we can then she writes My love goes out to the brick and mortar businesses and any others forced to close temporarily or for good. Oh man, the restaurants especially, that's killing me. For most of us with online-based businesses though, there's no reason to stop. I've seen some people in my space frozen in place, shying away from posting, publishing, saying, whispering, selling, anything out of fear that the outraged mobs will business shame them. They might, or maybe just one person. It might sting. It's okay. Their pitchforks are only virtual. Whoo, that's good, right? Okay, I'm going to keep reading just a little bit more because this just got me. Okay, she said, and the rest of us are cheering, thanking you for giving us permission to keep going too. We all want permission in life. It's like seeing that someone else is wearing jeans to the party. Oh, good. I'll wear jeans too. Be the permission. Yeah, you. And then she said, I told one of my shrimp club members, one of her People who are in our membership, who's afraid to say the wrong thing, who's afraid to say the wrong thing right now, say save extra careful for your health and take risks with your words. No need to self-quarantine your online business. Hey mom, first things first. Thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say yes. I need help, and yes, I choose me, and that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until the Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. <laughs> Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com she thrivemarket.com she. Another thing I've seen people saying is I want to help people right now, but to make, but not to make money or anything. And then she writes, ew money. Who wants that? Um, me, I do, and I know I'm not alone. How about if you help and make money? If you want to give things for free, that's great. I love it. But you can also keep charging. This is what's really important. Commerce is not uncompassionate, unless we're talking about buying up all the Purell. (laughs) An economy depends on buying and selling. If you don't make money, you have none to buy with, and then someone else doesn't make money. Let's keep the economy humming. I promise it's not to business shame you. I will business love you. Here's some business love for you right now. An economy depends on buying and selling. If you don't make money, you have none to buy with, and then someone else doesn't make money. Let's keep the economy humming isn't that good? I just, there's more to that email, but I just want to read that section from you be, or for you, because I think that basically summarized what I wanted to say, but because she's a copywriter, she said it even more eloquently. And I was like, exactly. But I think a lot of people are afraid to share, uh, work, you know, share or put out their, their value, what they have, what they're, uh, selling or offering as a product or a service or information product or course or whatever on the internet. And, you know, it's like, Geez, so many businesses are having to stop completely. That if that happens to be your business, please don't be afraid. You might have some people shame you, but in so many ways, you're contributing to the economy. And there's very few ways to do that well right now. And so, if you have the luxury and the, and the privilege of having some sort of digital element to your business, Please contribute to the economy with that and do not have shame about it. Now, I wouldn't say capitalize on the vulnerable, you know, but it's like, man, if you have something that can serve people and solve a problem, please don't be afraid to put it out there. Um, okay, second, second question here, which is really similar, um, is what is insensitive to post about and what is not? And I think this is also a very important question. I think it very nicely piggybacks off the first one. I think the first thing I would say is make sure that what you're posting is valuable. Make sure that it's serving people and solving problems. Um, be as helpful as you can. Look at this as an opportunity to provide resources, to um, to be a guide, even if it has nothing to do with your business. Like I've been sharing tips on you know, meals you can freeze and passing on, you know, different graphics I've seen online that provide helpful hints and tools that are from people sometimes without much of, you know, without a huge following, I thought more people need to see this and I'll reshare it on my story and, you know, kind of passing along that knowledge. It doesn't have anything to do with what I sell as a business owner, but if I can serve my people and provide value there, I would love to do that. And so I think that is the more you can do that the less weird it's going to be when you sprinkle in things about what it is that you have to sell, about your products or services, okay? So, you know, it's like if you can do, if you can be 90% helpful and still market 10% of the time, it's not going to come across like overly salesy or, you know, overly pushy or insensitive. It's going to be valuable and appreciated. And so I just want to encourage you not to completely hold back. But when you are thinking about what do I post? What do I share online? How much do I market? I would say make sure that you're being as helpful as possible. And it might not have anything to do with the coronavirus. You know, just provide value, truly, like tips, takeaways, steps, ideas, suggestions, you know, that has to do with your industry and or what's going on in culture right now. So I think that's thing number one, so that you don't come across as insensitive or aloof or indifferent. Um, the the second thing is consider how you can reorient your contra- your content to address your ideal client's concerns. So what fears are they having right now? You know, what what questions are they asking? Where are they turning for that? Why Why are you not establishing yourself as an expert in that? Why are you not coming alongside them as a guide if you're not, if you're so afraid to share anything, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't know what to talk about and I don't know what to share and Just consider how you can reorient your content to address your client's concerns, whether that includes anything to do with coronavirus or if that just has anything to do with their business or their health or their family or their home or whatever industry you work in, their wedding, right? Like how can you just show up for them? Because they're just as freaked out as you are. They're just as confused as you are. So if you can say, you know what? I actually don't have any answers to this, but I'm gonna go dig and scour the internet and see if there's been any helpful articles written about this by actual people that know what they're talking about, like economists or you know different things like that. I'm going to try to dig in and just see if I find anything helpful that I can pass on. You don't have to be the expert on coronavirus economics or you know event cancellations, but you can position yourself as an authority and as a helpful guide in your potential or current client's life by going the extra mile and seeing what you can find that's helpful in a time like this, addressing concerns that are related to what it is that you do in some way or another. So that's uh, question number two, and the best response I can give for that: please don't be afraid to share about or market what it is that you have to offer. You still have to pay your bills, um, but you also don't necessarily. If you start doing that, you know, eighty percent of the time, and that's all you're talking about, that might come across as a little tacky or insensitive. So just understand if you're putting value out there as much as possible, and every now and then you're still sharing about what you have to what you have to sell. Um, if someone business shames you, that's on them. You know, so that's important. Make sure you try to make your ratio that way. Okay, question number three. I was supposed to launch, blah, blank. <laughs> a lot of I've had a lot of questions with this general framework. I was supposed to launch this thing or this business next month, should I still do that? So whether it's, I was supposed to launch my business next month, should I still do it? Or I was supposed to launch a new course next month, or oh, I was supposed to launch a new product next month, should I still do it? Um, okay. Here's my best, um, piece of it. Ad- a couple pieces of advice for this. The first is it may be wise, depending on what it is, it may be wise to postpone, but I wouldn't say cancel altogether. Now, if it's an event like a live conference or something like that, that may be where you have to go virtual. If it's a workshop, that may be where you have to go virtual. Um, I actually saw somebody do this. They had a live, I think it was like a mastermind or a small conference or in-person workshop or something that people had already paid for and registered for um, that was supposed to happen next month. And so they just took it, um, not even just virtual, but they turned it into like a three-class series and then opened it up for more people to purchase. And it was actually genius. Like a lot of people took advantage of the opportunity because what was once sold out was now available digitally. And that was also really smart for the business because they were able to you know, have some more customers, even though they missed out on being able to do their live event and had to postpone the live portion of it. So I thought that was really smart. Um, So that's just one thing to think about is maybe get creative and think about how you might be able to do it differently and postpone without necessarily canceling it altogether. Um, The second thing I would say is, you know, probably based on predictions, obviously this can change at the drop of a hat, but based on when I'm recording this, you know, Probably by summer, the economy may not be completely back to normal by any means, um, but people are probably going to be a little bit stir crazy. They're probably going to be a little bit more willing to spend. I think by then they're going to be like, we're all kind of going to be like, okay, well, hopefully we'll be through the worst of it by then, and we'll be kind of ready to get back into the world, if you if you will. Um, hopefully it happens before that, but I'm just saying, like at the latest, that's probably going to happen by summer. Again, predictions, but that's the thought. And so with that maybe it's, you know, best to think about, I think, thinking about, okay, how can I adjust my plan of action here? Is there maybe some lower ticket helpful resources that would solve relevant problems that might be good to release rather than, a huge high ticket program if that, that has nothing to do with actual needs in the marketplace right now, right? So people may not be investing in $10,000 website builds. Maybe they will. Some people love to start businesses during a recession, but just saying like, would my target market be doing that? No. Okay, what could I offer in place of that? Could it be a $197 online workshop that shows them how to set up their Squarespace site so that they can do it on a more affordable price? And then you can serve as many people as possible or as you want in that workshop. Even, you know, you're not limited in that regard if it's virtual. So just different ways to think about like, how can I still put this value out there or help equip or solve now this new problem that's come up for my ideal client um, by adjusting my strategy a little bit and maybe postponing the bigger thing I was going to launch or if it was a big thing, if it was already something that was a little bit more affordable and something people might really enjoy having in this kind of time of the economy, uh, something that might be able to do it from home or some sort of affordable luxury item or something like that, then maybe you don't need to postpone it. But just it, it's it really, I think, depends on the nature of what it is that you're launching. Um, if it's, a you know super super expensive thing that requires them to be somewhere yeah probably postpone that if it's a little bit of a you know affordable helpful resource that solves a related problem to what they're currently walking through what your ideal client might be facing you know that might be okay so just think through the nature of the product and make adjustments as necessary and if you need to i wouldn't say cancel i would just say maybe backdate it a few months okay Next question is, how do I save money if I'm not making any, (laughs) if my business has just stopped making revenue because of everything, given the nature of my business? So the first thing I would say is, this is where it's really time to get creative. As an entrepreneur, you are a leader and you have shown, if you've been in business for any amount of time, that you do have the ability to be creative and to think outside the box. And so think about what you can sell and what might be different than what you usually uh, sell. Okay. What different need or problem than usual can you meet for your market? What problem now has suddenly come up for them? What, Challenge are they facing? Like I shared with the website example, if you help you know new business owners uh, start you know and build beautiful websites, how might you be able to adjust how you're offering that service, even if it's temporary, um, to solve now a new problem that comes up? That is, I still need a website so I can make money with my business, but I don't have the extra cash flow to drop you know five ten grand on a website designer. What do I do now? And if you can come alongside them and be that guide and offer that next step and that guidance and that to to like a simple workshop that's way less expensive that may be another way to solve that problem for them in a creative way so think about what might i be able to do for this market that maybe i wouldn't normally do or that i haven't had as an option before but that would allow me to still serve them, meet a need, and hopefully make a little bit of income for myself. The second thing I would say is um, consider what markets tend to do well during a recession and look for part-time work or look to contract your skills or services to these types of companies. So according to Investopedia, uh, some some of the industries that Tend to thrive during a recession, which is also really important to know, is uh, consumer staples, which include things like toothpaste and soap and shampoo, things like that. There's a steady demand for those products during recessions, especially as we've seen with toilet paper. <laughs> um, second one is healthcare. Obviously, third one is discount stores such as Walmart, or um, another one they listed was alcoholic beverage companies. So just different things like that. They tend to do better in recessions than others. And then another industry that tends to do well is cosmetics industry. Those tend to hold up well in recessions as well. So just think through, and those are just a few examples. That was just what came up when I was searching and and Investopedia was was an article that that kind of outlined these different industries that tend to thrive. So maybe you typically do wedding photography and all your weddings got canceled. Could you contract out your photography services to the cosmetics industry and branding? Could you look for brand deals there or, Mart, or could you look for partnerships there? Um, If you typically, you know, sell T-shirts, could you switch to selling staples? You know, just think about like, what could I do that might somehow have something to do with these industries that tend to thrive when other industries take a hit? Okay, so just something to get creative on and to think outside the box on. The next question is, do I refund deposits? even if that means draining my business bank account, aka your business going under. All right, the first thing is, let this be a lesson to never let this happen. It's really, if you haven't already, one, time to make sure that it's in your contract, that retainers are non-refundable and that all of the right clauses are in there. This is something to talk to a lawyer about. Um, But the legal page on Instagram is a great resource for this. She talks a lot about this. Um, But you know, I think on top of that, this is also a really important opportunity to start your business emergency fund because if you are, uh, if you have retainers that you are refunding and your contract doesn't protect you from doing those in you know natural disasters or pandemics and crazy crisis like these kind of things, um, a that needs to be fixed. But b, I would say make this as soon as possible. The time you start a business emergency fund, um, just like you would have a personal emergency fund. You want to have three to six months worth of expenses so that if something happens and you don't get the payments you were anticipating, you can still run your business for the next few months until, you, until we kind of come out of that hit. Right. Obviously, that's water under the bridge if you haven't right now. But I just wanted to take the opportunity to say, this is a hard lesson I've had to learn in the past. And I really just want to encourage you to make that a priority before you going forward, do any other reinvesting in your business, do any other big investments, do any other hires like anything else. That is such a key. And this is a great example of why that is. It's just these unforeseen circumstances that none of us ever would have predicted. Everything was just, you know, going along just fine. But when this kind of stuff happens, you'll be really glad that you have it. So the second thing I would say is the first thing I just want to point out is it's time to start that emergency fund. Even if you feel like you don't have much to start it with, make that your priority going forward. Now, the second thing I would ask you is what does your contract say? If it's non-refundable and all the clauses are you know, in the favor of in crisis events like this, um, that it is non-refundable then it's important to try to, it's not unethical for you to keep that. That's what you and your client agreed to. Might make you feel a little uncomfortable, but I think that's an important conversation to have. And also talk to a lawyer and definitely uh, look up the legal page on Instagram. Like I said, but um, that said, I wouldn't just go offering refunds, but if they do request request it, that's when you address it. So get really clear right now on what your contracts say. They should be protecting you if you had a decent lawyer write them, but make sure that you really understand that and that you go through it and uh, and have confidence in what it is that your contract says before you just start refunding people, maybe retainers that they are not owed and that they agreed to give you regardless. And so... You know, you want to try to keep that so your business doesn't go under, right? Otherwise, you're going to go out of business and you're not going to service anyone, but you also don't want to hold anything unethically. So again, really important to look at your contracts. I don't think you just auto or default to refunding deposits, especially if those were protected by your contract. So I would talk to a lawyer. I would handle this on a case-by-case basis. Obviously, this is not legal advice because I'm not a lawyer, but I would try to learn from someone who And If you can't afford a lawyer, like I said, look up someone like the legal page on Instagram check in, you know, they're providing a lot of resources on that right now. And I think that that would be something really helpful and a helpful resource for you if you're really not sure what to do. But ideally, uh, if you can try to avoid refunding all the retainers, if you have a service-based business so that your business doesn't go under, that would probably be ideal. Now, um, next question was how to lead a team while working remotely. So if you've had to switch from working in an office or in an in-person setting to more of a remote setting, um, there's three little pieces of advice that I would give here because my team always works virtually and remotely. So we've had to learn how to do this. First is be as available as possible. Now, you obviously will probably need some uninterrupted time to work and to do deep work. And so try to block that off in your calendar just that so that everyone can see like, okay, you are in your creative block right now you know, call after 11 a.m. or whatever time block you've set. So that's really clear communication. But other than that, you're as available as possible. Um, the second thing I would say is schedule weekly check-ins or video meetings or bi-weekly, depending on what your needs are. Usually bi-weekly works just fine if you're used to being virtual. But if you're normally used to working in person and there's a lot of adjustments being made, I think for the sake of consistency and healthy communication and, you know, things not slipping through the cracks, it would be really... Um, prudent to schedule weekly check-ins like Friday mornings or Monday afternoons or whatever works for your team members and yourself the third thing that I would say is to continue I think building team rapport I think there's a lot of uneasiness right now I think there's a lot of confusion a lot of fear probably in you as well but also in in your team members, in your employees, in your clients, um, try to really take care of them. Even if you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room in the budget to do that, send a five dollars Starbucks gift card or something simple like that to just show some appreciation. Tell them you like lo- you know, tell them you love them. You see them. You're thankful for them. Um, they're part of what's keeping this running. Even if you feel like the wheels are falling off, so make sure that you are doing little things like that to really build team rapport. Okay. And if you can't afford a $5 gift card, if like literally you are penny pitching, just send encouraging texts or emails to each individual person at the end of the week and just say like, hey, I really loved how you did this this week. It totally saved my butt. I don't know what I would do without you. I so appreciate you. Like even things like that will keep rapport up when there's a lot of fear or doubt or craziness and chaos. Okay. Uh, Another question that I, that I got was, is now a bad time to start an online business? <laughs> and I think this is actually a really good question. And to be honest, it may actually be a very good time. I think we're gonna see a lot of people who have either been in a position where, they've they're laid off or their hours are cut or now suddenly they're working from home and have more margin in their life Uh, really considering like hmm what else could I do so if you're wondering like is this a really bad and dumb time to start a small business or would this maybe be a good time I'm just going to share a portion of an article that I read in Forbes Um, the, the sub the subheading on this part of the article was above the crowd and they quoted Dave May which was a professional baseball player he wrote he said Why march to the beat of your own drummer when you can skip? So then I'm gonna read this little part of the article that I thought was really insightful. It says, every entrepreneur who has competed in a vibrant market knows that one of the biggest challenges is getting noticed. As the overall industry noise mounts during a boom cycle, it becomes increasingly difficult to attract the attention of journalists, investors, potential customers, and would-be partners. In contrast, success stories are novel in a down market, which generally results in meaningful exposure for those startups which succeed. So I think that's just a really helpful perspective. If you have a little bit of margin right now, if you have a little bit of wiggle room from a cash flow perspective, or if you're able to work remotely and you're thinking about maybe starting your own little side hustle to supplement your income, it wouldn't be a bad time to. It can be a time to really identify a unique niche or need in the marketplace that may not have existed before. And kind of like Forbes said, in a down market, you know, or in a in a booming market, it is harder to get noticed. So it's not a terrible idea if you can, if you can swing it. All right. Next question is, how can small businesses make changes to withstand this period of decreased sales? Okay. Again, this is where I bring up the emergency fund and why it's so key because business can really come in cycles. The economy is cyclical. Um, This is a little extreme of a situation, but it's still cyclical. Um, Second thing is think outside the box. How can you help your industry? Kind of like I shared what can you do that might be outside of your normal scope of products or services that meets now a new need that has arisen? I think what's really important to understand, and this is where um, being savvy and entrepreneurial and wise with your decisions is so, so important because here's the thing, there are always problems right? We now have this massive crisis, which I wouldn't say is something to necessarily capitalize on, but the byproduct of having anything so radical happen or even not radical, just things happen in culture, um, or new, you know, maybe it's not a crisis. Maybe it's new innovation. Like suddenly everybody has a smartphone, right? Like think about how many different times over the last decade, two decades, three decades, technology has changed so quickly. Um, we've had, you know, crises, we've had, um, crises? I think that's how you say crises, (laughs) crises. Um, You know, we've had so many different large events and just different things that shift the way people work, shift the way people live. You know, think about how Amazon Prime and Amazon Delivery and all these, you know, different things popped up based on, you know, innovation and identifying new problems or needs or desires in the marketplace. This is no different. It's just, it's forcing us as creators and entrepreneurs and leaders and innovators to think differently and more strategically about how we might do something. This might demand, you know, a new way of doing business. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually part of surviving in an economy that's part of doing this kind of thing and so you know i guess what i'm trying to say is that there are always always going to be problems in even in the best markets but the reality of being a business owner is that businesses solve problems it might just be a different problem right now than you used to solve or then your business maybe originally solved but that doesn't mean you can't still solve a problem. And so I think try to look for gaps and see like, where are problems now arising? What problem could I could I solve? Um, whether that's within my industry or for, you know, uh, my market or maybe something even different, focusing on these other industries that may thrive a little bit more during recessions. What new problems have, ar- have arisen for them? Do they have increased demand and need, you know, uh, more support? Like, what does that look like? And so I think just, you know, my mom and I were talking about this a couple of days ago and she was like, you know, I think. Sometimes when things tend to go wrong in culture or in society or the economy or, you know, wrong as in there's a problem or a downturn or whatever, our initial reaction is to freak out because it jolts us and it shakes us and it makes us think, oh my gosh, like what do we do now? Everything that I was, you know, used to doing and my plans have just been ruined and I don't know how I'm gonna make money. And a lot of us spend so much time freaking out that we fail to identify opportunities that arise. And I don't say this in a weird way, like I think there's a difference between capitalizing on vulnerabilities and being like opportunistic in that weird slimy way versus just being... Uh, open-minded and keeping your eyes open to see, like, hey, that's a problem, and I have a skill that can solve it, right? Or I have experience that can solve it, or provide solutions or guidance to someone now experiencing that problem and having a new desire or need in their life. And so, there's, I think, a difference. It's, this isn't like preying on people's vulnerabilities, all right? This is identifying, like, hey, this is truly a new problem that come up and that came up. And the reality of business is that business, when you are a business owner, you are in the business of solving problems, right? Sally Joe, the, you know, doctor or nurse or no, that's not a good example. Sally Joe, the uh, painter needs a new website and you have design experience and skills. And so you provide that solution to that problem. Has no website. You come in, now has a website, right? Or whatever it is. And so I just want you to understand, like, no matter what's going on, and regardless of what the economy is doing, if you are willing to roll your sleeves up and understand new problems arise, and if you can show up in those spaces and stand in those gaps, you are going to be a go-to. You are going to stand out, just like that Forbes article said. You are going to establish authority, and you are going to build trust. And so consider what those problems might be and allow yourself the space to breathe to identify how might you step into those into those things, okay? All right. Um, another question that came in is uh, just how do I work from home? Tips for working from home. My best plan of action for this, my best strategy for this is block scheduling. Hands down block scheduling. Trying to structure your days in such a way that you aren't just doing 17 million different things at once and, you know, answering phone calls while folding the laundry and sending an email like, no, Okay. Try to think about, I've had a friend share it with me like this. She said, be proactive in the morning and reactive in the afternoon. So what does that mean? Well, for me personally, proactive means working on things that build my business. So whether that's creating content for the podcast episodes, writing book chapters, developing content for trainings, things that further the needle, expand the reach, and drive revenue, right? Now, reactive is things that require me to respond. So answering DMs and emails and taking, you know, doing phone meetings and, um, me being on interviews, things like that, where it's not necessarily developing my business content or my business, uh, products or services, but, you know, it's, it's maintaining the business. It's the maintenance side. It's the, um, you know, I guess the housekeeping side, if you will. So I would say business development and creativity and that type of deep work, I tend to reserve for the morning. That's when my mind is the most fresh. And then some of that reactive work like emails and meetings and team meetings and stuff like that, I tend to reserve for the afternoon. So that's just a quick overview. I actually have a little mini course that I created on this that really shows how i time block and build out my calendar and how my team can follow along so if you want to check that out you can i'll link it in the show notes um not to do a subtle plug but truly because i get this question all the time um okay next thing next question is i have lost sales my sales are slow events are canceled help what do i do now <laughs> so i want you to do this this is actually something we did this past weekend like i said we've had to plan and kind of replan our year now pretty much twice to adapt to what happens in life and the world. So um, I would say, get out a whiteboard and map your options out, okay? Figure out what your financial needs actually are for the next 90 days, okay? And then identify where you're coming up short and what is that number really? Because here's the thing, I think sometimes as creatives and as passionate people and as service providers or when you're really passionate about your product or what you create or how you serve people, your heart can be so close to that. You can be so focused on the creating and the maintaining and all that stuff that you're not necessarily always very clear about your numbers and I know this from experience in my own life and so you know when you can really actually when something goes wrong right when three can when three contracts get canceled or you know uh things like that happen and you look at the big picture and you're like oh my gosh and you start hyperventilating right you're like "Everything's going wrong oh my gosh I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills like my business is gonna go under and you just start freaking out and then you think I'm gonna be a million dollars in debt you know (laughs) and all these things It's really important to breathe and then to say, okay, it feels really bad right now. It feels really sucky. It honestly feels like the end of the freaking world, but I need to actually get a clear picture here and be like, is this as bad as I think? And if it is, great. Now, how do I... Not great, but how do I tackle that then, right? How do I get really clear? Or, oh my gosh, I'm not as bad, big. you know, it's not as much of a hole as I thought or as much of a gap. I thought it was going to be $30,000 and it's only 11, you know, and sometimes just doing that exercise of what actually is the need where am I coming up short? What does it mean? What What steps can I take to make to close that gap as much as possible um, without necessarily having to take extreme measures? And, and working backwards, define the number that you actually need to hit in the next 90 days. Where are you coming up short? And then work backwards and say, okay, if, if my need is somehow to scrap together 10 grand in the next 90 days, how am I going to do that? What might be an alternative plan of action and how can I maybe switch up my strategy or maybe offer something different than I normally would or something like that, okay? And again, I'm going to emphasize this, prepare, prepare, prepare. This is really where I want you to say, and now I'm going to start an emergency fund. When I start earning again, I want to put some of that away because I never know when this could happen again and I want to have a smidge of that wiggle room, even if I feel like I don't have wiggle room and I don't have... Capacity to do that, I'm going to do my best to start putting away for that in case unforeseen circumstances arise again. Okay. But I think it's really important to say, what are my actual financial needs? What's the real number? And if you're looking ahead at planned promotional calendars that are now just completely ruined, this is where you want to get out a whiteboard and you want to say, option one, alternative plan of action. Option two, alternative plan of action. Option three, alternative plan of action after you've figured out your number, of course, because then you need to figure out how you're going to hit that number. And then what you need to do is say, what are the pros and cons of option one? What are the pros and cons of option two? And what are the pros and cons of option three? Where, Which one is the best for me to pursue given my current needs, my personal needs, my team's needs, the time I have, the number I have to hit? And really like after you've figured out that number and work backwards and say, all right, here's my option one to work backwards, my option two, and my option three. Great. Great. Now let's look at the pros and cons. Let's look at where that could work. Let's look at what might go wrong there. Let's just hash it out and then pick one and move, okay? And then from there, your plan of action after you've decided on that and started to implement it is to prepare, 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 okay? This is where those emergency funds come in. Now I want to share another quote that I found in that Forbes article I was mentioning. It says, "Um, a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. And this is where being willing to adjust your strategy to maybe tweak what you would normally offer, find a new problem you can solve that has now arisen as a result of all the things <laughs> um, to maybe map out other options and consider how you might have to hit that number in a different way. And, you know, maybe you've been redirected a little bit. If you are willing to make the bend, the road's not going to end. is basically what that quote's saying. And it's by it's by unknown. There's no quoted quoted sayer of the quote. I don't know. Quoted accreditation. There's no no one credited. <laughs> um, but I loved that quote. And I thought that was such a good reminder because sometimes when you're coming to the to a bend in the road, it looks like the road's coming to a dead end. But no, it's just really you needing, being able to adjust and adapt. And I really want to emphasize that as an entrepreneur, as a creator, as someone who's kind of building their own career, you know, it's not easy. And you're taking risks. You are not, a you know, none of us are naturally like, yeah, I want to be risky. But when I was growing up, my parents always told me that life is a series of taking risks. And if you only look at the negatives or the challenges that come out of the risks and you completely just start overlooking and forgetting all the rewards, look at the last three years of business that you've had. Look at the last six months of business that you've had. Like if you are in a position right now where you feel like the world is ending and you're like chicken little and the sky is falling, just chill for a sec. And I also want you to appreciate how far you've come. I want mean, to appreciate the steps that you've taken, how far down this road you've gotten, whether you're three months in or 30 years in, and say, "Hey, like this is inevitable because there are challenges in life. There are things that go wrong. Like to assume that you would just have a business that functions flawlessly or is always generating revenue exactly how you had planned to generate it is not the reality of being an entrepreneur. And if it were easy, everyone would do it." If it were easy, everyone would take that risk, right? And that's why not everyone's doing it. That's why, you know, you find yourself feeling sometimes a little bit isolated. But at the same time, you are an innovator. You are a leader. You know how to navigate problems, even when it's hard. And maybe you just need someone to shake you by the shoulders and say, hey, you're going to get through this. Even if it's really scary. Even if, if contracts are being canceled left and right. Even if everything seems like it's going to be ruined. Even if this business goes under, here's the deal. You're not going to go under. God's not going to let that happen to you. You might have a rough patch. You might have to be really creative and scrap a little. But here's the deal. I don't care what level you are in business. You sometimes have to scrap a little. Sometimes you got to roll your sleeves up and be like, all right, what's next? Put me in coach because I'm not going to bench myself because I'm afraid. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit out and, and, and take myself out of the game just because now the game is hard because I'm winded, because I don't know how I'm ever going to win this thing. Don't you understand? God didn't give you gifts and an ability to say, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to start something from scratch just for you to say, never mind, it wasn't for me to do. Just because when it gets hard, you stop. No, you are adaptable. You can adapt you can take the next step even if that feels impossible. It might be a very different step that you had anticipated that you'd be taking. It might not be the exact same thing that you thought you were gonna launch. But I can tell you from someone who's had to ride a bunch of different waves and felt like, am I even doing the right thing? Why Why am I even here? You know, was this even, you know, it seems like there's no clear ending to this. Your job is not to figure out the whole road in front of you. Your job is to trust that God's going to light the very next right step for you, even if you don't have the perfect plan. And every little baby step you take that's illuminated, that is how you make the turn. When you just throw in the cards and say, oh, we're at the end of the road, when it's truly just a bend in the road, that's when you fail to make the turn. You stop yourself. Even when it seems like unforeseen circumstances are what's stopping you, it doesn't have to stop you. And I just want you to appreciate that even if right now it feels impossible or like things are closing in on you, I also want you to remember that there's also been a ton of opportunities awarded to you and that there are going to be endless opportunities awarded to you as well going forward. Okay. Not just in the past, but right now in the present, it might be a little hard, but I promise there is a future for you. There's a future for your business, for your career, for your family, for your home, for your heart, for your life. Okay. So I just want you to take a deep breath, even if you're feeling stressed or unsure of what's happening next, and remember that you can be adaptable. That as an entrepreneur, it is required that you be adaptable, but would you have it any other way? And I think this is a really important question to ask yourself. Would you have it any other way? Even though it might be really uncertain right now, even though you might be really frustrated, even though you might feel a little stuck, even though everything feels like, It's hitting the fan, if you know what I mean. If you look at everything that you've built, that you've done, that you've created, would you have it any other way just so that you could avoid this challenge? Or would you say, you know what, for the 98% of good and growth and blessings that have come out of the work that I've done in this field, in this business, in this thing that I've created, this Bump in the road that might seem so catastrophic and extreme right now and feel like it's ruining everything I've built. Would I give up all the good that has come from this just to avoid this road bump, to avoid this seemingly massive catastrophe? I hope the answer is no. I really hope the answer is no. Because if you're not willing to take the bad with the good and the good with the bad, you're fooling yourself no matter what you do in life, business, med school, ministry, anything else, motherhood, marriage, for the 97% of amazingness that's going to come out of that, you're going to have 3% where sometimes it feels like the bad's taking over. Where in in reality, it's just the 3%. It's 3% of the big picture. And when you're in the middle of that 3%, it feels like the worst thing in the world, right? But if you look at the big picture and you can zoom out and you can say, this is a blip, This is a blip on the radar, and I'm going to get through this. Even if I have to get through in a way I didn't think, or my business model changes, or the direction I go is totally rerouted, great. Here's the deal. Coronavirus, the economy, you, your clients canceling on you, nothing is powerful enough to mess up God's plan for your life. It's not. That's why I say even if this business that you're currently running goes under or takes a really hard hit, you are not going to go under, nor are the plans for your life going to go under. Got it? Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox now and I'm going to wrap up with a few key takeaways. The first being do what you can to support small businesses that you would normally buy from in a normal economy or even those that you really normally wouldn't. Do what you can. Get gift cards, you know, serve do as much as you can with with the little that you have. Okay, or the little that little time or, or extra resources that you can delegate because the economy is built on buying and selling so your contribution counts and i truly believe a lot of the outcome of this the long term outcome is going to be very dependent on how we respond and if we cower in fear and we hold you know tightly to our resources and we freak out and we tight fist everything we're not contributing to the flourishing of the economy and that's going to directly affect our businesses okay second thing is um really this emphasizes the need for both a business and a personal emergency fund it can be so easy when things are going great and things are awesome to say, I don't want a personal emergency fund. I'm going to invest in a $20,000 pretty website before you have an emergency fund. No, freaking do a Squarespace website. Would you like, just keep it simple. You know, it's like, do what you can with what you have and you will always be able to slowly upgrade from there. Okay. The The next thing I want to, the next key takeaway is make the most of this time. All right make the most of this time. Business owners and hard workers always say they want to slow down and they never do. But it might be time to make the pivot you've been wanting to make. If you know you've been wanting to change the direction of your business or maybe pivot in the clientele you're serving or change up your offerings or anything like that, but just haven't had the courage or the time to really explore that, maybe this is the forced downtime you needed. You know, I will say like, different scenario. But when I went through a personal crisis, um, even though it wasn't necessarily a cultural crisis, um, a few months ago with my miscarriage, I was down for the count for about almost an entire month. I didn't hardly nothing. I mean, literally, I was I've never been so still in my life. And that was really weird for me. But I had no motivation to do anything. I just wanted to lay on the couch. I didn't everything that I thought was important before seemed so silly and unimportant. You know, it was kind of like, Man, all these goals I had, like in light of this kind of thing, seemed so silly. But that month, as like sucky as it was, and as much as I would never want to have to do it again, and as bad as it was, one good thing that came out of it was total clarity. So much, uh, just a, a deepened sense of mission, a clearer purpose. I felt like I was kind of, you know, I had felt like I had succeeded in this and that and this and found the ways and the strategies to make things work, but I just never felt like clear of like, God, what are you asking me to do with this influence? Why do I feel passionate about this? Where is that coming from? How do I channel this? You know, it was like, there was actually a great gift packaged up in downtime. So Make the most of this time as sucky as it may feel, as scary as it may feel, as hard as it may feel. You know, make the pivot you've been wanting to make. Think through or start planning out that next offering you've been wanting to do. Write the book you've been talking about writing. Take the dang sabbatical that you've been saying you're going to take for three years, okay? Sometimes God just lays us out and he's like, you done? You're going to be still now, right? And sometimes we just have to be stopped because we won't stop ourselves. So maybe this is time to be a little bit smarter on your budget, Be pay a little bit closer to attention to your numbers and, and really make the most of this time. It could end up leading to your next big thing. And the last thing, the last takeaway is to stand out from the crowd. I want you to operate with faith and with excellence. Meet real needs of your clients, practical needs of them, uh, You know whether that means providing new offerings or just showing up in their corner and cheering for them or you know, providing new types of value that you normally don't provide, go above and beyond, you know, meet real needs that are occurring and arising as a result of this. Operate with faith and excellence, even if that means it's outside the scope of your normal thing or your normal offering or what your business tends to do in a normal situation. Circumstances are all but normal. So that might mean you have to adjust your plan of action, your route, and the way you take care of people or what you actually help them with, and that's okay. It might end up, like I said, leading to your next best thing, okay? I want to leave you with a quote that says, there's actually two quotes. I pulled these from the Forbes as well, the Forbes article I mentioned. The first one is by Christy Mathewson, which is also a professional baseball player. The quote is, you can learn very little from victory. You can learn very little from victory, but you can learn everything from defeat. The second quote is by Harry Golden, which is, which is a U.S. newspaper publisher. And it says, the only thing that overcomes hard luck is hard work. The only thing that overcomes hard luck is hard work. So if you find yourself in the events industry, or if you find yourself in a space that has really taken a hard hit, that sounds like a lot of bad luck, doesn't it? A lot of bad luck. But Or hard luck, maybe. I don't want to say bad luck. It's hard luck. But you can overcome that with hard work, with a little strategy, with a little creativity, with a little innovative thinking, and a whole lot of faith and a lot of excellence as well. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me, at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content. And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in.